Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Today, uh, we're starting, or we're in our series on a fruit of the Spirit, and we entitled this series, When Life Gives You Lemons. The title, the title describes the difficulties that we sometimes face in life, along with the question, how are we going to respond to the difficulties of life? So when life gives you lemons, you make... So when life gives you problems, what are you going to make of those problems? How are you going to turn those things around to glorify God? We have to invite the presence of God into our situations, into our problems, to allow the power of God to change those things around. I believe God wants to, to take those difficulties, or that we should look at our difficulties as opportunities for his power to be revealed. Our leading scripture for this series is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Paul writes, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. It's the Holy Spirit, did you catch that, that produces the godly results in our life. When we allow the Holy Spirit, invite the Spirit of God into our life, He will produce those godly results. Today we're going to take a look at some of the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, specifically kindness and goodness. Kindness in the Greek can also be translated goodness. It carries the idea of meeting the needs of others. It's not just being kind via words. It's referencing kindness that is useful or kindness that is called to action. Kindness is meeting, I like this definition, kindness is meeting real needs in God's way in his timing. That Greek word, when you look it up and when you, they defined it, that's how they define it. Kindness is meeting real needs in God's way in his timing. A single act of kindness can transform a life. Goodness, we talked about goodness or kindness. Now, goodness and the original Greek word focuses on the action of doing good. It's having an intrinsic desire to do good even when you are treated poorly. How many enjoy doing something good when someone has treated you poorly? It's not a natural response. It's not a natural quality that we find in our human characteristic. That is a quality that is given to us by God. It's choosing to be kind and merciful like Jesus. Goodness and kindness do not originate from our human qualities. The purest qualities of goodness and kindness originate from God. They're the result of having the Spirit of God living inside of you. If you have a good friend and you've hung out with a good friend, I shared this story a couple weeks ago. I have a good friend up in Washington. And when Stephanie went up to visit my friend up there and she hung up with my daughter, Brittany, she came home and she said, You're, you, there's so many things that you and your friend do alike because we've hung out for 20, 25 years. We've started taking on the same qualities. When you invite Christ into your life, what happens is the presence of his spirit 
in your life starts to change you from the inside out. And you start taking on the very qualities of God in your life. That is what we're supposed to do as followers of Christ. We are supposed to become more and more like Christ. So when something bad happens to you, you don't respond like more normal human beings respond because you have something inside of you that is different. And it's the Spirit of God. And he reminds you, guess what? Hey, respond this way. Hey, react this way. It's what happens. It naturally will take place in your life if you spend time with God. You spend time in his word. You spend time in prayer. And you invite him into your life. What does that mean, Pastor Tom? When you're going through difficulties or when you're going through good times, invite him along. Don't leave God out. It's not like you can leave God out, but he's a gentleman. Invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of your life. Listen to the scripture in Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. This is a, one of the major prophets, and it's a prophecy for the future when the Christ was going to come. And it says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. How many have a stony, stubborn heart? You know, there's times God's still working on me. And give you a tender, responsive heart. How many have a tender and responsive heart? It's getting there. Yeah, it's happening. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This was a prophetic word pointing towards the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit living in your life. Our lives are, to be, are being transformed as we choose to surrender to the power of his Holy Spirit. There's a wonderful story, probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible. It's a parable. And it's, and it's the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus shares this parable as a response to a question that was posed to him by an expert of the religious law. The religious leader asked this question, the following question. He says, what should I do to inherit eternal life. So if you understand, there's a crowd around. There's some religious leaders. They were called Pharisees back in the day. They were all gathered around Jesus, this man that all of a sudden appeared on, just all of a sudden, he just appeared here, and he's, he's just really, really wise, really, really smart. A lot of them think that he's a prophet. Some think that he's a rabbi. They're, they're looking at him, but the Pharisees don't like him because he's going against the rules and the regulations of the day. But the common question that you'll find throughout the New Testament when they, when they came to Jesus was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That was a common question. Now, Jesus frequently responded to a question by asking a question. If you read the New Testament, you'll find that many times Jesus won't respond just with an answer, but inside he flips it around and he responds with a question. You see, this religious leader wanted Jesus to follow his leading. And Jesus flipped it on him and said, no, no, you're going to follow my leading because I'm going to reveal the truth to you. And so he all of a sudden poses a question to this religious leader. Let me read the parable uh, for you today. It's found in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to start at verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, 
and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. And I want you to just focus on that for just a moment. The man wanted to justify his actions. We're going to come back to that. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple uh, assistant, might, your translation might say a Levite, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these, this is Jesus, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Notice that he couldn't even say the word Samaritan. He doesn't use the word Samaritan. The Samaritan says, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Let's pray. Lord, I pray once again today as we dive into your word that it will penetrate our heart and our life. I pray that your Holy Spirit will have freedom to do its work in our life, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will change us by the power of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. There are several truths here that I wanted to present to you today. And the very first revelation within this story is that the religious leader already knew the answer to his question. I think this is sometimes is one of the most obvious sayings. We miss the obvious sayings in the story so many times. This is an obvious detail that sometimes we just pass right by. But it appears that the religious leader already knew the answer. And because he answered Jesus without any delay. When, when, he, when Jesus said, well, what do you see in the law of Moses? Because he was trying, so you got to understand the story. The religious leader was trying to trick Jesus. He was trying to throw Jesus off. He was trying to find one little thing that he was going to disagree with on the law of Moses. That's why Jesus turned it around and asked him the question. And basically, this religious leader, he knew the answer to his question. And he responded very quickly. And he said, basically, love God and love others. Those are the two greatest commandments. That's what we need to do. And Jesus responded, right, do this and you will live. End of story. Right there, there should be nothing following. If at, that, at that point, there should be no more scripture following. Right, do this, and you shall live. But the story continues. And this is where the parable, why does the story continue? Catch this. The very answer that the religious leader gave seemed to be the answer that brought conviction on his own life. The very answer that came out of that religious leader's mouth brought conviction into his own heart. That's what I believe. Because I believe in the power of God's word. 
And there's something powerful when you dive into the word of God that the revelation will touch your heart. Start changing your heart. Start changing your mind. The point I want to make here, bring about, is that this religious leader knew what was good. He knew God's law. He just wasn't living by God's law. It seems that he was becoming increasingly uncomfortable with the thought of his actions towards loving others. Otherwise, why would you pose the question? Because all of a sudden, then he poses this question. And who is my neighbor? Because he just got done saying, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That came out of his own mouth. And then what he's talking is, I'm surmising this. This is my opinion. As all of a sudden, you're talking to Jesus now. I'm not talking just to anybody, but to Jesus. And all of a sudden, he starts to think, wait a minute. And maybe there's people in the crowd that he just had conflict with that week or that day. And he knows maybe there's some Samaritans in the crowd. And all of a sudden, he's thinking about what he just made the statement of. And he doesn't want to be a liar to his own words. I don't know what's taking place. But he asks the question to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This time, Jesus does not reply with a question. This time, he replies with a powerful story, an insightful story. It's a story of three men, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. The crowd that had gathered around Jesus would have been very familiar with all three of these type of men, the the, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. Both the priest and the Levite would have been people who were highly regarded among the Jewish society of the day. They would have been seen as very uh, respectable men, uh, very honoring men, a priest and a temple assistant. But the Samaritan would have been a person who was despised and seen as inferior by the Jewish culture. A Samaritan was not a full Jew. He was a half-Jew and represented a time when the Israelites intermarried with the foreigners and adopted idolatrous religions. If you read in the Old Testament, you'll discover where God told the Israelites not to intermarry with these other countries that were around them. It wasn't because of racial issues. It was because of who they were serving. You see, these other countries were serving false gods. They were serving temple gods. And God did not want the Israelites to take on all these other gods into their culture. He wanted them to serve him and him alone. So he said, don't intermarry with these other cultures. I don't want you to do so. But now, what's taken place, it's all been turned around. And it's a prime example of racism right there in Jesus' day. And Jesus has to deal with it. So when Jesus chooses to make the Samaritan the hero of the story, he is choosing to step on toes like never before. Because the Israelites see the Samaritans as inferior. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't get it, guys. You don't get it. They're doing, many of them are doing a better job than you in serving me, in serving God. He was addressing the issue of racial divide. I'm sure in that day the Samaritans were the butt of many racial jokes and many untrue stories that were being circulated about them. People would believe the lies of the unkind words that others would share and and then they would all of a sudden, they would share those same lies. They would repeat those lies to the friends around the dining room table. They'd be talking about the different lies. You hear this, you hear this, and they'd start sharing these different things about the Samaritans, about this, about that. It was being propagated. Nasty comments made among friends. 
The Pharisees were always elevating themselves above others, sharing all the good that they have done. But behind closed doors, their hearts were filled with hate. They saw themselves as being holier than others and more deserving of God's love. And Jesus recognized how horribly deceived that they had become. And the sad thing, they didn't even realize that they were deceived. Jesus decides to bring the truth into their life. And he uses the illustration of a good Samaritan to demonstrate that there is an enormous difference between knowing the law and following the law. Knowing the law, you see, for you and me, we might know the Bible, but are you following the Bible? You might read the Bible. You might be able to quote John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that for whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. You might have learned that as a, as a kid. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal. You might know all these scriptures in your, in your, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. You might know Galatians 5, 23, that we, 22 and 23, that's the title scripture of this series, the fruit of the Spirit. You might know that by heart. See, these Pharisees knew the law, but they had manipulated the law in such a way that they would follow it in their own way without actually following the law. Sometimes you can manip manipulate Scripture in such a way that you can try to follow Scripture in your own way, and God says, no, 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 no. You're not going to do that. You need to follow my word. You need to be obedient to my word. The religious leader was struggling with the words that he, that he shared. He struggled with that whole comment that he had made. Hey, who is my neighbor? The religious leader was taking pride in knowing the law, but it appears that he was having a hard time acting upon it. And now he finds himself in front of Jesus, trying to justify his actions. This reminds me of a future day Whereas we as Christians will all stand before Jesus and be judged. Did you know that there is a judgment day for Christians? There is. We don't talk about it in church. We want to skip around the tough stuff. We don't, we don't like those scriptures that, oh man, I, was, it, it, oh, I don't want to deal with that thing. I don't, I don't, no, that's too harsh. But there is a day, a judgment day for Christians. Now, we're not going to be judged upon our sin in the same way that others are going to be judged because we have the grace of Christ, the grace of God that covers our sins. But our actions are going to be judged. And it says in the Bible that our rewards will be according to our good deeds and to our bad deeds. I know it's true. Thank you, James. See, James knows his Bible and he's acting upon it. Our heavenly reward will be given according to our deeds while here on earth. The Apostle Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. This religious leader finds himself standing before Jesus, trying to justify his actions. Because Jesus is revealing truth into his life. The story that Jesus tells is a story of compassion and love that, mo that motivates a Samaritan to help a complete stranger. Most likely, the man was, uh, in the story was a Jewish man who had been beaten and robbed. The thought of a Samaritan helping someone who was Jewish 
who despised him, who hated him, who looked down upon him, is an amazing story of goodness and kindness. The Samaritan cared for this man's need and then paid for all the care that followed after that. He paid for a person who probably, most likely, despised him. Goodness and kindness. When life gives you lemons, what are you going to make of it? Does it make sense? When life gives you lemons, how are you going to respond? There's times, I'll be honest with you right now, man, when, I, when life gives me lemons on the freeway, I do not respond godly. Sometimes, but there's times I still fail. I don't know why God has given me this. I, I feel like it's my thorn in my flesh, you know, like Paul would say. It's like, no, why can't we all have great drivers on the road? Why do they have to be those guys out there? Maybe it's all for me. And Stephen, and Stephen, me and Stephen, for the two of us, that God can continue to work in and through our lives. For the last few moments, I want to share three thoughts about kindness. The first thought I want to share with you is that kindness is motivated by love. Kindness is motivated by love. God's kindness towards us is motivated by his great love for us. John 3, 16 is a great example of God's kindness. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and whoever believes on him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is not only the greatest example of love in the Bible, it's the greatest example of kindness in the Bible. It's a kindness that was motivated out of love. The kindness of a Savior who set us free from the bondage of sin. He came from heaven to earth to die on a cross for you and for me. The punishment that we were supposed to have to pay, because without the, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There had to be a sacrifice made for the sins that were, that were made on this world. Past, present, and future. Jesus, out of his loving kindness, came to earth and became the sacrifice for our sins. If we don't have love, you don't have kindness. Because kindness comes out of love. The King James Version, I just already made it the slip, talks about in Psalm 63, verse 3, God's loving kindness is better than love, or better than life. God's loving kindness is better than life. An old, there's an old song that goes along with that. You don't see it in the modern translations. They've taken that loving. But I'm going I'm to start, I'm going to do a Google thing and try to, I might need, Bethany, I need you to help me to start pushing on this loving kindness thing. And I want to bring that word back, loving kindness. God demonstrated his own love towards us through kindness. God's love in your life is also displayed through your kindness to others. And I want that to sink in deep for you right now. When you show kindness to people, you're displaying God's love. It could be the simplest fact. It could be buying a cup of coffee, whatever it might be. It could be giving someone a ride to the, to the doctor's office. Whatever. That display of kindness is showing God's wonderful love. Jesus used the parable of the Good Samaritan to give an example of how God's love works through kindness. And the second thought I want to share with you today, kindness responds to the need of others. When you have the fruit of the Spirit, when you have kindness in your life, it just automatically responds to the need of others. The Samaritan in this story recognized the desperate need of the man who had been beaten and robbed. He is the only one out of the three who chose to respond to the need. Both the priest and the Levite, they didn't... Come on. It says that they went to the other side. So all of a sudden, 
the man who'd been beaten and robbed was laying here. They went to the other side of the street to get away from the man to walk away. Think of that. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. Only the Samaritan went over and said, looked at you. We don't even know that he was conscious. Doesn't sound like it. But he picked him up, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn and cared for the man. He responded to the need. He had compassion for him. This is the thought that I just thought was so powerful. The Samaritan didn't allow any form of racism or differences to interfere with the kindness that God had put in his heart. For me, that's a big one right there. He didn't allow any differences that he saw in the person. He didn't allow racism to interfere with the kindness that God was in his heart. And I would challenge you that probably the Samaritan didn't have much if he had any racism in his heart. Because he just responded immediately to, the kind, to that person out of kindness. Kindness is not responding to a person's actions. Something that we need to learn. Kindness that comes from God is not responding to a person's actions. It's choosing to respond to a person's need. It's choosing not to ignore or look the other way or to cross the street and to walk away. It's choosing to put love into action in the form of kindness and goodness. Remember the religious leader in the parable that asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He wanted to choose who he could love. He wanted to choose who he could show kindness to. He didn't want it to be open answer. He didn't want the answer that Jesus gave him. He wanted to define it, put, put parameters around it, put borders around it. I don't want to love it. I want my family, my friends, and a couple of acquaintances, but I want to have some borders. I want to parameters. And we do that in our life sometimes. But fortunate for us, God left it open-ended. Otherwise, the scripture would say, for God so loved some. For God so loved some. We must respond as Jesus responded. When seeing the need, he responded for all. The last thought I want to share with you. Kindness can transform a life. Think about it. The kindness of a Savior changed your destiny for eternity. If you're a follower of Christ, the kindness of a Savior changed your destiny. Where you're going to spend all of eternity because of one act of kindness. God knew your needs and he provided a plan to meet your needs. All you have to do is to respond to his kindness. It's a free gift that you just accept. And you say, Lord, I receive you today and I receive your sacrifice and, and everything that you did for my life, I put my faith in you. It reminds me that many times we underestimate the impact of kindness. A single act of kindness can change someone's life. It can change someone's day. It can change someone's week. It can change the direction where someone is going. I've heard it. You've probably read stories before as well. Where a single act of kindness stopped someone from committing suicide. They were in a place of hopelessness in their life. But because of one act of kindness, all of a sudden, it just shook them to the place that woke them up. Hey, I am loved. This person cares for me. And all of a sudden, they made a decision and switched it around. And instead of ending their life, they started to live their life because of an act of kindness. See, that's what Christ has done for us. 
We were dead in our sins, but now we are alive in Christ. Set free from our sins, set free from the bondage, so that we can live a full life and introduce others to the loving kindness of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're called to show loving kindness. You don't know what a single cup of coffee might do for someone. You don't know what a little note of encouragement. Every once in a while I get on this kick where I just literally, I'm, I'm bucking the system. I'm not that old, but I'm bucking the system. I'm still using stamps once in a while. And I'll write just a little note on a card. And I'll put my, what is it, like a dollar now? It's like, phew, keeps going up. 50 cents on that envelope. And I mail it out. Because I know a handwritten card from a pastor or from a friend, guess what? It could change a perspective of someone's life. You do it out of kindness. Paul writes in Galatians 6, 9, powerful scripture for all of us to remember. Let us not grow weary in doing good, goodness, and kindness. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give goodness and kindness when we choose to act upon God's love by allowing his kindness and goodness to be seen through us then it brings greater awareness of God's love to those around us we are called to let our light shine we are called to be the salt of the earth we're called to be different if you don't like to be different bummer because you're called to be different you are you're called to respond differently you know, in the office, maybe everybody responds this way. You're called to a higher standard, guys. The fruit of the Spirit should be in your life and evident. And you're going to respond with loving kindness, with goodness, with gentleness, with faithfulness. This week, we are challenging everyone to a kindness challenge. I don't know if you've been following our Instagram page. Bethany's been doing a great job in doing our Instagram and Facebook all kinds of different videos. And she approached me this past week and she says, I want to do a kindness challenge. I said, let's do it. And she says, let's just get people on filming others or, or, or doing something and sharing what they did just to encourage others to, you know what, this week, and hopefully it won't just end with this week, but this week, let's just show kindness to somebody. Let's, you know, when you take someone out to lunch, just take a picture and say, we're having a great time. You know, and just hashtag loving the, the kindness deal. You'll see it on our Instagram. The kids already took up the kindness challenge. Catch, catch this. The VBS happened all week this last week, Monday through Friday in the evenings. We had like about 30-some kids. They raised over $200 this week to give to kids who needed food. They started the kindness challenge for us. The kids are leading the way. How cool is that? What are some practical ways that you can show kindness this week? Just randomly buy someone a cup of coffee. When you're going through Starbucks, someone you don't know. Pastor Tom, I hate doing it. Just do it. Do what it does for your life. Do what it does for their life. Take time to thank those who serve faithfully. When you see a police officer or a teacher or a fire person or someone who serves our community, thank them. Kindness. Volunteer your time for a project. Yeah, I'm going to go do an act of kindness this week. I'm going to go help someone mow their lawn or maybe you're going to take someone to the doctor or the hospital or grocery shopping. Ooh, this one's a good one. 
This is, oh, this is so hard for me. Woo, this is hard for me. Take time to listen. Anybody have trouble just taking time to listen? Please don't leave me standing here alone. Thank you. Sometimes it's, when I get in task mode, I, I'll, tell the, I'll tell the office staff. I'll walk into the office that, guys, I'm in task mode. Just be aware of that. And because all of a sudden I know that my, my listening habits are going to go out the door. Take time to listen. Send someone a note of appreciation. Make someone a meal. It might be, you might not have made yourself a meal in years. Make someone else a meal. It'll help you along the way to learn a new cooking habit. Give someone a hug. Kindness. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to worship here today. We thank you for your loving kindness. For it is greater than life itself. Your loving kindness that was displayed on the cross. You didn't have to, you chose to. You chose to show your loving kindness. It wasn't forced upon you, it was a choice that you made because you loved us and kindness came out. God, I pray that we make that choice this week. That we, Lord God, would show loving kindness to others, to people who just need encouragement, who need hope. Let us not miss opportunities this week to share loving kindness, God, to those that are around us. Let us, Lord God, see those opportunities as opportunities of your power flowing in and through us. Today, with heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment, I want to give an opportunity for you to respond to this message. Maybe you're here today and you've never responded to the loving kindness of Jesus Christ himself who died on a cross for your sins. He took on your punishment because he loved you so much. It was the greatest act of kindness ever, ever happened. And all he's asking for you to do is just respond in faith and receive him as your Lord, as his, as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you want to make that step of faith, just raise your hand real high. I want to say a prayer with you today. Anybody? I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. See that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. How many here today say, Pastor Tom, I just need more kindness in my life. I just need all of a sudden to let God work through me in a greater way. I need kindness to be displayed. Raise your hand real high with the rest of them. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Lord Jesus, you see all the hands that are presented here today. And I pray for those who are making a step of faith and are receiving your, Lord God, your loving kindness act, the act on the cross that you died for our sins. I pray for salvation on their life today. All we have to do is confess our sins and ask that you would enter into our life. And Lord God, follow you from that day forward and we are saved in Jesus' name. And for those who raise their hands for just that kindness would be more displayed in their life throughout the day, I pray today, God, that you would fill them with your love because out of your love comes kindness. So God, I pray this week they will feel your love more than ever before. And God, that when we feel your love, kindness will be displayed. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, God good? Yeah. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, 
please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.